This week, I am joined by Will Store, author of The Status Game. Now, I recently listened to The Status Game on Audible, and I immediately reached out to Will online on Instagram and invited him to be a guest on the podcast. I was so happy when he replied and said that he would come onto the show. And to be honest, I feel like I was probably a little bit of a fangirl throughout this entire episode because I'm such a big fan of the book. So I really hope you're going to enjoy it. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. So today I am joined by Will Storr, author of The Status Game, the book that I have been raving about, recommending to absolutely everybody and probably going to start listening to for the second time on Audible. The book, The Status Game, Life is a Game. There is no way to understand the human world without first understanding this. The game is inside us. It is us. We can't help but play The Status Game. Wow. Will, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Adrian. Really glad to have you with us for the Power Hour. And as I've said already, big, big fan of the book. So congrats. The book is recently out. Was it last two weeks ago? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, thank you. I'm really, really, really pleased you enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it. As I said, so many people have been like, okay, Adrian, we get it. <laughs> so first up, for anyone who hasn't heard me raving about it in the last fortnight, could you tell us, I guess actually I'd love to start by defining status. So when you say status in the status game, what is it and why is it so important to us? Well, it's simply the, the feeling that we, ha- that we are of value to people, that we have people's esteem and respect. You know, that, that, that's basically what it is. So, so, so it's not to be confused with belonging and connection. Those are also, you know, very important uh, needs. That's, you know, about feeling loved and, and connected to a community. Once you've connected into a community, you kind of want that community to give you some respect and value you. So it's that, it's that that we're talking about when we talk about status. And why is it why is it that sometimes people have a bit of a like oh I don't like to think about that as something that I want or something that I would admit to wanting status it seems like something we should all say oh no 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 I don't care about status I don't, I don't care about that yeah it's so weird because 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 the need for status kind of eats itself because you know ironically admitting that we're that we're interested in status deranks us in status we don't like to think of ourselves that way we don't like to think of our friends that way so we so we kind of deny it and it's also a conscious versus you know subconscious thing the, the conscious experience of being alive is a story the brain tells a heroic story about who we are and why we're doing what we do but underneath that conscious story there's lots of you know very powerful subconscious um you know mechanism going on that's evolved over tens of thousands and millions of years and uh, and uh, you know th- those mechanisms are very very interested in our in our relative status even if consciously we like to we're very very good at denying that yeah exactly we don't want to say you know everyone says oh, i don't care i don't care what people <laughs> think or or they, well, we tell other people to do that don't we we say you know you shouldn't care what other people think just do your own thing but you know we don't live in isolation in this world and so therefore whether it's due to you know as you, you mentioned like thousands and thousands of years ago whether it was due to safety and being in a group or whether it's just due to being liked and therefore you know having more favorable outcomes throughout your life I think this idea of oh you shouldn't care what people think actually isn't useful at all 
It's not useful, no. And, and it's also impossible. Uh, you, you know, humans are a species of ape, but obviously we're really different to all the other apes. Uh, and the difference is that we're hypersocial. So some so, some psychologists say we're part ape, part B. We're that social. Uh, and we've evolved in such a way that we have to rely on, a, on being accepted into a community of people in order to survive and reproduce. And of course, survival and reproduction are the basic aims of every living thing. And that's how humans do it. It's connection, uh, you know, it's connecting into a group of people and earning status. So, you know, all, all, you know, animals, you know, compete for status. And the more status we get, the, 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 the more likely we were to survive. We got better food, safer sleeping sites, a greater choice of, uh, you know, our, our preferred mates. Uh, so, so the basic rule that the braid has been, you know, working with for, for millions of years is go for status. Because if you get more status, everything else gets better. And of course, you know, that, that was true tens of thousands of years ago. It was true before we were even human millions of years ago. And it's still true today. You know, you look out of your window, the more status people have, the, the better things get for them. So, so, so that's, that's the, the, the basic game of human life. Mm. And I, I mean, I found the entire book fascinating and there are some great examples of stories and how this human quest for status impacts all of us. It impacts the decisions that we make, the people that we look up to and aspire to, even the way we you know, self-reference in relation to other people. So where do we fit amongst our peers, amongst our colleagues? And that actually, one of the things I took away from it is that status is not just about you know, economic class or gender or religion, or often we think about it as, you know, monetary things. So like, how big is your house? You know, what car do you drive? But actually it's more about, I guess on a subconscious level, it's more about influence and about power and about recognition from others. So, so could you explain to us like why the quest for status is universal to all of us, regardless of how old we are, you know, which country we're living in the world, how much wealth we have. It's actually, yeah, it's universal to everyone. Yeah, so, so so the latest research, as, as you say, finds that that the, the, you know the need for status is universal. It, it, cro- it cuts across age, gender, class, um, you know, religion, culture. It, everywhere you look, pe- people are enthusiastic, even if subconsciously, about raising their you know relative rank and, and and achieving the kind of respect of their peers. And I think the mistake that we make is that we we we, we, we see status symbols as simply oh money or being a celebrity. Uh, and it isn't that, you know, diff- different groups or in, in the book, I call them, you know, games, um, choose different things to symbolize status. So if you work on Wall Street or in the city of London, or, or if you're a big, you know, big company lawyer, you may well use money as a symbol of status. And, and, that, and that's your game. It's money. Who, who's earning the most money? But but, but we can use anything to, to symbolize status. Sports people, some of them use money, but, 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 you know, the main game they're playing is who, who's the fastest runner, who's going to score the most goals at football. So that's a different symbol of status. Some people might use, um, you know, activism, you know, I'm the best activist in my group. I, I, I'm achieving the, you know, the best results in my group. And, and so, so, so every group um, uses different things to symbolize status, different things to symbolize success. Just like in the games we play in life, Monopoly uses, you know, um, plastic, houses to symbolize success and plastic mm. hotels so so, so so that's that's the mistake we make is is that we think it's all about money or power but money and power are just different ways of of playing the status game they're just different ways we can choose or not choose to symbolize status 
Mm, and as you mentioned, they're not in different places around the world. They're very different things, right? So, for example, you know, in the book, I know when you speak about in places in the world where the status might be measured on, you know, the biggest yam that you can grow, <laughs> the size of your yam, which although that sounds funny, it is that idea that actually we're so connected to those around us that our peer group influences so much of what we want and 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 what we deem to be um the top of our rank or the or the pecking order if you like right down from you know being in the playground to being in an office and actually that we're always comparing to those around us rather than thinking about people on the other side of the world that's right you know you know we, 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 it, it, the power of culture is just extraordinary it's massive you know we, we're born humans are born with kind of half finished brains the brains have the basic outlines of who we are and, ha- and how to be a human but all the rest is coloured in by culture as we're growing up and, and 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 one of the big things that culture is doing you know it, and, it, and it's not just your national culture it's your uh, the culture in which you're born and raised you know that's where class and things like gender do, do come into it because in that very local culture we're, we're raised into different things symbolize status and, and so, so so and the brain is very good at attaching onto those things and just telling us that yes it's really really important this particular thing that you're pursuing um and as you say in the book you know i talk about there was a study in 1948 published about for in a there's an island called pompeii in micronesia where where it was all about who could grow the biggest yam and whoever brought the biggest yam to a feast was declared number one and you know the power of the status urge and also the the amazing fluidity of 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 how we can play games and you know a testament to human ingenuity is the huge size of the yams they started growing there there was an account where one yam took it took 12 men to carry one yam into a feast had to build a special stretcher on poles it was so big so 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 that's human brilliance you know that's that's you know it's silly and weird but but when you apply that to things like you know coming up with the coronavirus vaccine for example or becoming the fastest mm. runner in the world for example we we you know the status pursuits in you know incentivizes this you know us to really achieve amazing things as human beings yeah and i guess that is something that we should yeah maybe talk more on that is that there is a positive to this as well because often i think when even myself actually when i was listening to certain chapters of the book i was thinking god it doesn't sound good does it do you know what i mean it gives you that feeling of like doom and gloom that we're all these like self-serving we all you know everyone's competing to get ahead and you know if somebody gets a pay rise then you start to feel bad about yourself but then if you and it's all this thing of actually you know this compare and despair so it doesn't it doesn't all sound good but actually i think what is the positive because obviously everything in our brain has a function good and bad what Mm. is the positive when it comes to our quest for for status you mentioned you know driving innovation and helping us to improve and what is that uh, I guess yeah the positive side of the status game yeah, well, there, there, there are huge negatives, as you say, but there are also huge positives. And, and you know, going back to our evolutionary history, to the big era when we were living in mobile bands, this is the era in which our kind of brains evolved to, to think this way and, and to, to pass reality this way. So, so, so you'd earn a good reputation, you'd earn status for being useful to your tribe or your group. And there are two ways of being useful. One is about being virtuous, so by being courageous or... Um, um, uh, generous with your food, for example, or helpful. So, 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 so you know, these people would be rewarded with status, but also by being successful by, by being you know, the best hunter, the best honey finder, the best storyteller. These people would also be raised in status, the prestige form of status. So virtue and success 
were rewarded with status um, in those days and they still are today we make you know Gandhi and uh, Gandhi is a superhero uh, uh, you know is a, is a global superstar sorry and so is you know Mo Farah uh, one is uh, a superstar because of virtue and the other because of success so so you know, we're this incredible ape that has evolved a system of reward, you know, to reward us people for being virtuous and being successful. And so, and so, you know, this, this drives the very best of human behavior when we're selfless, you know, when we celebrate people for being selfless and when, and we are, and when we ourselves say give money to charity and feel good about ourselves, that's mm-hmm. evolution rewarding us saying, yes, you're being helpful. Good. Keep doing this. Yeah, because you're doing something, I guess, where you're adding value, as you say, to to others. And, and I yeah. guess that is it's the opposite of self-serving, isn't it? Because you're saying, okay, by doing this, whether it's giving money to charity, whether it's, as you say, you know, coming up with a vaccine, you're doing something that serves the greater good. And again, you attributed status for doing so, but yeah. you're, it's kind of like less about the individual and more about the hero of like, look what I've done for everybody yeah, for else. Yeah, the group. Yeah, it's about serving the group, and as I say, and that's and that's your reward. Your reward for serving the for serving the group is status. So, you know, we're currently making um, celebrities of the two amazing women that designed the AstraZeneca vaccine, and that's brilliant. That's entirely appropriate. We should be celebrating them and and, and you know raising them as heroes. That that's in our human nature to do that. So so, so that's that's you know status at its best. Hmm. And then I guess on the other side of the coin, you know, the positive and the negative, <laughs> I feel like, again, listening to the book, I was thinking, aha, so this comparison, compare and despair, this this spiral of negative, I think sometimes it can be actual torture that, that people do to themselves around comparing is... I guess in some ways, yeah, it's inevitable. It's in the human brain. But mm. do you feel like now, obviously, we've lived, you know, the way the world has changed, the way we are connected to millions, if not the billions of people on the planet through the internet, you know, whether it's through not just social media, because I do think social media just gets like demonized for everything, but even just through review sites, for <laughs> example, you can read reviews, you know, you can look at pictures of, you know, other people and their homes and their bodies and their children, and you can see everything. And so therefore, where before you might compare, okay, like for like. So if you think about, you know, I, I've worked in, you know, fitness, wellness, sport for my entire life. And so everything in my mind straight away, I make these comparisons within sport. So if you think about a like-for-like game, a like-for-like competition, you know, a marathon is a marathon. It's 26.2 miles and you have to, you know, there's a start line, there's a finish line, and that does not vary. So that's the, you know, defined rules. But if you think about, you know, I don't know, an Olympic weightlifting, for example, it has defined rules and you need different things to, in order to achieve or get success or win in in each one. But what we don't do in sport is we don't compare like-for-like, you know, like for something completely different. So I don't say, well, is Mo Farah what's his Olympic lifting personal best oh well he's not <laughs> strong then because we just we just compare you know as I say like for like however in the world as individuals now I probably don't compare like for like to somebody who is you know if it is if it even exists who has exactly the same parameters and the same kind of start and finish we're just comparing to everyone it's like this infinite game and so yeah I wonder if you could speak a little bit to that and how we start to I guess ring fence our comparison game (laughs) yeah so so, so that's the difficulty we've evolved to play status games in very small groups 
um, you know, so a human tribe would be much smaller than the communities we're living in today in towns and cities. And even with that, you know, we, it was generally separated by gender. So men would compete with men and women with women. And even in that, with age and with speciality, with what they were, you know, happened to be doing. Um, but, but today, of course, we live in these, these kind of super connected worlds. And, um, and as you say, it's not just about social media, you know, it's television. We compare people on television in the magazines. And, and, and so, so we're not designed to play status games. This unbelievably huge we're not designed to be exposed to people who uh, at the very extremes of human achievements uh, which we are constantly um, you know because we celebrate success and because we celebrate you know virtue you know we're exposed in the news um, on social media you know on the television to to extraordinarily beautiful successful people all the time and 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 so it, you know so so it does kind of madness in a sense it does it does stress us out and and give us a kind of level of status anxiety which I think we're not um we're not designed for so so so, so, so yeah it, it, it's tough you know it's tough in the modern world the status game because it's the game is so huge mm-hmm. uh, and the other thing you're talking about you know comparing like for like. You know, I think that's been a really helpful thing, and you know, you know, my wife said it's been helpful for her too. Um, you know, she works in the in 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 the kind of fashion business, and she's a magazine editor. Just this idea that that that, that you know you, you can often feel like you're compare you're competing with everybody in the world, but you're not. You're you're playing a little small status game with with the people around you and the people that you're immediately immediately you know work with. So you know, Mo Farah shouldn't feel envious and weak because he's not a heavy weightlifter <laughs> you know he, he's competing with runners and and I, and I think it's easy as you say for us kind of ordinary people to feel like we're comp- competing with everybody on all levels but 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 you know I, th- I think you can it really helps by kind of consciously thinking you know what games am I playing for status and just to think only about those games and not all the others that you can possibly be competing in yeah, I think that's what I'm going to start doing, Will, because, <laughs> you know, it sounds silly and it sounds funny, but, you know, I'm not a competitive runner. I'm not an Olympic athlete, but it's interesting. As soon as I lace up to go and do a half marathon or a marathon and people go, oh, what's your time? And again, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, who are you comparing me to? Because I'm, I mean, bless my son, he's 10 years old. And he did ask me when I ran my first ever marathon in 2017, he was five years old and he said, was he, was he five? Yeah, he must've been five. And he said, are you going to win? And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, there's 40,000 runners at the marathon. And no, I'm not going to win. But I love the idea that, you know, just by, by him thinking, oh, you know, mummy's a good runner. She, she has a chance, which was, which was nice. But you see, even in a five-year-old, you know, they're very clued into status. That was a very interesting question from someone so young. It shows that it's really embedded in the human condition. You know, even as soon as children begin interacting, they, mm. they start fighting over toys as a way of competing for status who gets the toy you know yeah and honestly I mean this is quite a I don't know if it's controversial maybe it's controversial I don't know but sometimes people don't really like this conversation around competition in children and so for example I am of the belief that you know we all have strengths we all have weaknesses and we're all going to excel in some things and, and less in others and some very fortunate people tend to excel in everything you know we all know those people that they're just they excel in, in everything mm. academia sports you know they're good looking everything and there's other people unfortunately who don't they don't have that favor but 
I think that when it comes to, you know, back in the day at school, you know, if it was a sports day, sports day is the, I feel like is the biggest debate of the decade when it comes to parents around, you know, whether, whether there should be a first, second and third or whether everybody Um. should get a sticker because you took part. And I don't know, people sometimes, yeah, again, they don't like my, 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 my opinion is maybe a more unpopular one, which is that, yes, some people might be the best at maths or the best reader or the best whatever, and somebody will come first in the race and somebody will come last. And it's not to say that we, you know, laugh and point at the person last and we just, you know, you, you know, celebrate the first. But I don't think we can eliminate that from children's experiences just to say, oh, everyone has a sticker. You all, you know, you all ran the race well done and not allowing the first and the second and the third to, to celebrate their achievement in that moment. And the way I kind of, I guess my argument for this is that when you go out into the real world, so you leave school, it's no longer, you know, just a sports day race. You're now applying for a job or you're applying for a place at university or you're, I don't know, starting a company and pitching to get funding. Not everyone is going to get the same. There will be one person that gets the job or there might be three people that get the place on the course or etc. So yeah, Will, I'd love to know, what do you think? Am I? <laughs> no, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, g- g- given that this is that this is part of our basic coding and, you know, life is full of failure. And, and, I, th- and I think the danger of, you know, stickers for everyone or, or, or medals for everyone is that, it, well, there's two dangers. You know, what, one is that the whole of society does well when we celebrate people who are really successful. These are the people that, that, that go on and create amazing businesses that employ loads of people and pay loads of taxes and, you know, create wealth for the country and create, create jobs for people. So, so, so we should have a culture of, of celebrating, you know, successful people. But, but also, I think, I think perhaps more importantly, for, for, for the kids who don't win, it's, it's an opportunity to prepare them for, for life, to prepare them that you're not always going to win as you say and you know I, I think there's a middle ground between stickers for everybody and um you know as you say point you know just dismissing the, the losers uh, you know you care you care about the losers you, you, you don't call them losers um but you but you use it as an opportunity because that's what school you know what is school if it isn't a preparation for adult life with all its you know joyful moments but also all its challenges and and and, and you know and i think you do a disservice to children if you if you if you um deny you know try to protect them too much from from the realities of of, of the world mm, oh my gosh yeah and speaking of losers <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because we have this tendency i think maybe it's a british thing to kind of you know, to be self-deprecating, but also to really cheer for the underdog. So we love it when the underdog wins and they're triumphant or when, you know, the the, the German word Schadenfreude, taking pleasure in the joy of witnessing somebody else's failure or loss or seeing the person who's, you know, the top dog. We love to see them fall. So why is that? If we're all claiming that status is good, we want to achieve, we want to be given status. Why do we firstly love to see people fail and secondly, support the underdog so much? Well, um, it's kind of the same reason, really. So, so, so the tall, again, tall poppy syndrome is, is found across cultures all around the world. It's found in brain scans. In, in one brain scan, they showed they showed you described earlier somebody somebody that wins in everything. They're good looking. Uh, they're, they're great at sports. They're academic. So they read a little story about someone like this, and and, and they saw in the brain scans the the, the, the um, um, pathways to do with pain flare up. So it was it wasn't it was, you know, they were experiencing pain. And then when they when they carried on reading a story 
story and they saw um, this same person suffering a fall, the pleasure systems in the brain, you know, flared up. So, 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 so that's human nature. And it's because um, status is relative. The more status, you know, it, 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 it's not something you can't just buy your status and keep it in a box. It's always relative. So the more successful other people become, the less by comparison successful we are. So it's painful, especially when people in our peer, peer group become very successful. Um, but, but there are exceptions to that. Uh, you know, the, the, the exceptions to that are the people who, um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing the same game as we are, but, but they are kind of elite and we feel that we can learn from these people. Uh, mm. and, and those people are the, are the ones that we kind of fetishize and follow as celebrities um you know we copy their dress we, we, we become obsessed with them and you know so, so you often see that you know that, that that's what kind of celebrity is it's people who 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 look up to someone and uh, as if that person is the ultimate ideal perfect version of me and and we have the opposite interestingly we have the opposite um response to these people we we completely idolize them and, and so what researchers think is that is is that we, is that we do that we you know we, i call it the copy flatter conform process we we copy everything they do um their their tastes their the way they dress the way they speak um you know not not everything but but lots of things uh, we, we if we're in their company we flatter them we tell them they're amazing and we conform you know we 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 we, we do we, we, te- we tend to do what they they tell us and, and the reason for that is that subconsciously we're trying to learn from them you know we flatter them because we, we want to be around them and we, we copy them and conform to them because we because the brain's thinking well if this person is such high status and they're playing a game that i'm playing if i just copy everything they do and mm-hmm. and, and and hang around them then i will also learn to uh, how to earn status and again you know that that's actually a really good thing you know i tell the story in the book of marco pierre white the 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 famous british chef who became the youngest chef in the world to um win three michelin stars and you know the the people that he trained with when when he was very young um in in the kitchen just said that he was just voraciously learning everything copying everything um and then you know became this you know superstar and then he went on to train people like gordon ramsay and claire smith and angela hartnett you know the chefs of today um, uh, and they went into his kitchen and copied him. And, you know, and Gordon Ramsay is very much a mini Marco Pierre White, you know, he even copies his temper and his swearing. So, 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 so that's how, that's how human learning works. And again, it's status driven. You know, we see somebody up there and we go, I want to be that person. And, 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 and we, we, we try to be, get near them and, 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 and copy them and learn from them. Hmm. Yeah. And I found it fascinating as well, the idea of, you know, I think we all know on some level that we're influenced by those around us and our peers and this idea of being in a group of, you know, like-minded. So when people say whether it's like-minded and, and unfortunately that, that bias that we know really, really impacts, you know, uh, diversity and the fact that you know the the light that's been shone i guess over the last two years since the black lives matter movement about the fact that yes we do have an unconscious bias which favors others that resemble ourselves so for example you know the the hiring bias of like you know white men hiring more white men or or people with a similar name for example if they're english reading english names you don't you know it's not necessarily a choice and then you turn turn around and say oh you're a racist it's like no actually these unconscious biases until we're aware of them 
until we acknowledge them, until we learn how to to address them, they exist. And I think actually even even right down to the idea, I think there's a study in there of five-year-olds with colored T-shirts, you know, and that made me think of the, the football, you know, rivalry. If you've got the mm. red T-shirts, the blue T-shirts, and just the idea that as a group, if we see others who are wearing the same T-shirt, even if we, you know, subconsciously go, oh yes, they're on my team or I'm on their team. And then if that team wins, you feel a personal, I mean, I've always used to laugh at, you know, the, the kind of the football crowd that they feel this sense of, you know, they would die for their team and they, you know, they feel the win. You know, it's like when Arsenal win and they're like, I'm a champion. It's like, yeah. you just wear the shirt. But <laughs> yes. people get so passionate about it. But it's, yeah. it's, it's who we are, right? We can't, we, I guess those are extreme examples of it. But it's, it is, as you say, it's everywhere where no one is exempt from this. Yeah, that's right. And then they're extreme. You know, there are, there are millions of people who are who, who play status games with football, and, and and they plug themselves into their like minded you know group of Arsenal supporters. And again, you know, before doing this book, I didn't understand it either. But now it makes perfect sense because that's just human brain doing what human brains do. And 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 these are the ways that these people are playing status games, and and that's why they get so unbelievably emotional about how their football team does because it's their status. They're plugged into that. Group and you're right. You know the the, the biases. They call it the self similarity bias. We're you know naturally programmed to look to to to, to identify people who look like us and go well well because the brains evolved to think well if they're like us if they're kind of my age and they look like me and they talk like me and they're interested in the same things then I'm going to learn from this person. So mm-hmm. so, so it is at the source of of lots of the unfortunate biases and prejudices um, that, that that we that we're struggling with today. And of course we, we, we're most conscious of this, of this when it's when it's white men because sadly you know. You know, we're still in, in a place where white men, are, are, you know, take lots of the top positions. But nobody is exempt from this. Everybody has that self-similarity bias. So, so there will be some industries. You know, the book publishing industry is very heavily kind of female domin- dominated. So, so, so that you, you may get, you know, we, you know, powerful women in the, in the book publishing industry, ha- you know, having that self-similarity bias towards other women. So, so, so no one's exempt from this. It's part of our kind of basic coding. But of course you know, the more powerful a particular group becomes, e.g. white men, the more of a problem it becomes. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating stuff. And of course, it's very complex, very nuanced. And there's so many layers to this, especially when we, you know, getting onto the topic around, you know, our bias around prejudices, around Mm. race, you know, it's such a complex thing that's, you know, which, which again is why it's important that we, I think, enter these conversations with a really open mind to saying, okay, these are maybe unconscious biases and maybe you're not to blame. But as I said, acknowledging that these things exist surely is, is is a good thing for us to, you know, decide, do we want to make change? Do we want to hold on to our, I don't know, stereotypes of certain groups of people? And is that actually serving? Is that useful? Or is it time to, yeah, like kind of reflect and, and make a change? And I think a lot of organisations now, hopefully, I mean, maybe I'm in a bubble, you know, within London and in, in tech and fitness, but I think the conversation is, you know, is getting louder and louder around you know, people understanding that bias and actually making a conscious effort to learn about it instead of just kind of saying, oh, well, it is what it is. You know, I'm a white man. I'm going to hire more white men and everybody around the table is going to look like me and that's fine. Uh, you know, I think it's yeah. again, a, a complex one, which hopefully people will, as I say, be open-minded to learning and to to rethinking actually what they've always assumed to be, the, the, you know, their bias. Yeah, that's right. You know, we, we don't want to see, and as I say, that self-similarity bias is 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 a problem for 
um, you know, anyone. So if any group, you know, if one group becomes dominated by white people or Asian people or black people or, if, or men or women, then, then those biases are likely to sort of kick into gear if we're not very careful. So, so, so no matter where we go um, and what the kind of senior management kind of looks like, we've got to be, you know, concerned that everybody is fairly represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally agree. And, and but, but the interesting thing in the research of kind of how status games work is it kind of suggests... Um, you know, quite an amazing, you know, potential way out of this, and, and that because when when researchers put people into, um, you know, what I would call success games, groups who who are tasked with achieving a certain aim, and then measure their kind of racial biases before and after they've they've they've, they've, they've taken part in that group, they they find that the racial biases recede. And, you know, people stop seeing things like you know race and gender, and they start because and they're much more interested in how useful can you be. And then if the if everybody sort of proves useful, then they, they start awarding each other status. So so for me, that's a that that, that that's a much more kind of healthy and hopeful kind of vision of the future and that we begin focusing you know less on the things that divide us and more more on the things that we're trying to achieve together because when you do that all that other stuff it fades into the background Hmm. well hopeful as you say definitely and you know what returning back to this idea of of status i mean one thing i was very interested to talk to you about will very candidly and very honestly i'm going to put you right (laughs) under the spotlight now was okay you've done all this research you've written this book you know you understand better than anybody this game the rules how it works and how our brains function so now that you have done that where are you are you now exempt from this game do you still you know you're a public figure you have a book out for example you know i was talking to a friend recently about you know they say i think it was seth godin who said never read the reviews of your book and i mean i'm a first time author this year and of course i've read every single review of my book so i would love to know will where do you sit now in this game do you still succumb to the seduction of likes and adoration like the rest of us or are you now out of the game I'm, never, I'm definitely not out of the game. There is no getting out of the game. It's in the wiring. So, so no, you know, I'm certainly more aware of it, and, and you know, I'm more aware of uh, of when I'm kind of spinning out. You know, I definitely don't read reviews. I, you know, I did for my first book, and I haven't since. You know, um, uh, so, so, so because it's painful, and you know, it's painful for reasons of status. It's humiliating if you get a bad review, and I um, mean, it damages your sense of your own kind of competence. Um, so yeah, but 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 I think I'm you know I'm, I'm better at kind of. It's weird, you know. I think once you're aware of it happening, you, you, although you don't you don't stop experiencing it, you can kind of stand aside from it and just observe it and think, well, that I, this is this is what's going on now. This is just another status thing. So, 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 so yeah, I, I think that I think awareness of, of of what's going on when we're kind of spiraling and you know compare and despair, as you as you, as you put it, uh, I think I, I think it definitely helps to, to, to you know to remind us. You know, we talk about the yam game and to the, to the people growing those huge yams. They were absolutely convinced that the yams they were growing were of, 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 of complete importance. They're the most important thing in the world. And of course, you know, the books that we publish, the races that we run, they're just yams, really. You know, we, 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 the brain <laughs> fools us into believing they're so important and we have to beat our time or sell more books than the last one. But actually, it isn't really that important. It's just your brain telling you, go for status, go for status. Yeah, absolutely. And actually as well, I wonder if there's a part, again, going to the brain, I wonder if it's a part of the brain that determines whether just innately our personalities are more 
drawn to being in a team versus not because for example again when people say you know they see somebody else win and it makes them feel bad or it makes them feel bad about themselves because they didn't or you go oh my gosh yes that person my friend they won I'm so happy therefore again you feel this sense of achievement even though you didn't win because you're like that's my friend I know her if she can do that that's amazing and again people sometimes just think that I'm you know I say I'm the eternal optimist I'm Mrs. Positive I am so happy if you win I'm like I'm gonna cheer you on as if it's my win but is again I don't know is that is that nature is that nurture is that something we can all decide like from this day on every time you see someone win you're gonna <laughs> celebrate as if yeah you, you you benefit from that win instead of thinking their win is your loss well you can certainly try and and, and there's no harm in that but it depends on 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 on, on, on who you on your relationship to that person you know if, if you're if you're in a state of rivalry with that person then then you're not going to be able to feel great when they win because you're you know you've kind of locked them in your focus and we've all had experiences of of, of entering that state of rivalry and and, and academics define rivalry as, as when you're you're vying for a particular prize against somebody that you've had lots of near wins it's usually lots of somebody you've had lots of near wins with before lots of tussles tussles before and you're kind of quite closely matched so so these are the rivalries that can can, can kind of drive us you know both kind of crazy but also to amazing feats you know rivalry is an amazing motivator but in terms of groups well it's very interesting because there are different ways of do of, of being in a group and awarding status and i think the the, the unhealthy groups are the ones where that you know individuals become too rivalrous and they jealously defend their stores of status you know status is given to us by the people it's freely given to us that you know you can't um the, certainly the prestige forms of status anyway so so you know in the book i talk about the company enron that had this what they called a, a rank and yank system where every year i think it was they were just they would just divide people into winners losers and in the middle and the losers would get sacked the winners would get cheered and in the middle would be scared and so you know that that creates a horrific environment to to, to, to be in because no one's giving anybody else any status because they're jealously hoarding it for themselves and uh, but 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 and the opposite of that you know, a few years ago, I did a story um, about CrossFit, and, and the amazing thing about CrossFit is it's it, you know th- these are obviously status games, but 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 you know a good CrossFit community is one in which status is is, is there in lavish supply. No one's jealously mm-hmm. hoarding it. We're all cheering each other on. Yes, yes, go for it, go for it. And you know, famously, people become completely obsessed with CrossFit. It becomes one mm-hmm. of those kind of semi cult like things because it is a, a, a cult like thing. It's a it's it's a very successful status game. It's it's, it's a community that's designed to. Reward award a status for achievement and not kind of hoard it and so people become addicted because every every week or you know twice a week they go to their crossfit group and they get bathed in status and so so, so those are two very different ways of of play of running a status game and obviously the crossfit model is is much better no no you know not many people were addicted to working for enron apart from the people at the very top who were who were you know earning huge amounts of money but certainly lots of people were addicted to crossfit and and you know so, so, so i think that's the better way Mm, oh gosh this is this is amazing to hear i mean the whole rank and yank of enron that is actually terrifying i think you know when people talk now a lot around you know toxic work cultures and toxic that literally is i mean surely that cannot continue that is not allowed to continue 
they all ended up in prison or the senior managers from Enron. <laughs> you know, it's the, we ended up being one of the most corrupt um, companies in American history, if not the most corrupt company, because they were so, you know, desperate for success and so jealously hoarding their status that they ended up, um, you know, committing, you know, a variety of criminal acts to to, wow. to, to, to kind of fake their success. So that's where you end up if you, you know, if, if you play these games uh, in a very negative way. 
Um, and yeah, but in the morning, it's like I, there's a guy on YouTube like called Mikey Chen, and he just goes around to eating stuff. Um, and uh, so I watch I watch Mikey Chen videos, <laughs> and it's just a gentle kind of a gentle uh, you know rise into the the, the reality, and then sort of go downstairs and, and and begin begin work. And is there any non-negotiables? So when you go onto YouTube to watch those videos before mm. you then start your work, do you have anything that you would avoid? So, for example, you said you don't read reviews. Would you look at Twitter or would you go on well, social media? Well, that that yeah. I, 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 these days, I just try and avoid all politics. So anything to do with oh, yeah. with, with, with with you know because that is a major stressor. And the other thing that I've learned to do is that I you know I, I have a you know a professional Twitter account which is you know w- where I do all my promotion and this that and the other. But I've also got a secret second account which is sort of locked down. It hasn't even got my picture on it. But I only follow people who are tweeting interesting things that are kind of perhaps useful for my you know my job as somebody who writes often about science. So so it's this it's this kind of safe twitter version of twitter where there's no i know there's going to be no politics no one's going to be you know shouting at each other and uh, you know complaining about boris johnson or whoever it is that people are complaining about today because because yeah so, so i i do try and protect myself from social media um in the in the first couple of couple of hours of the day because like the worst thing is if you you know, you wake up, you open Twitter and you see somebody that, that said something that really upsets you and, or offends you. It just sets the day off really badly and you're grumpy. Or it's, it's, so, yeah, I definitely protect myself from from that. I've learned to do that. Yeah, awesome. Agreed. Well, thank you so much, Will, for being a guest. And of course, you know, the book is out. You can get the book everywhere. You can get it in bookstores. You can get it online. And I definitely recommend the Audible version. I really, really enjoyed that. And you're at Will Store on online, Instagram and Twitter. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. William Store on Instagram because someone took Will annoyingly and Will Store on Twitter. No, W Store on Twitter. W-S-T-O-R-R. Awesome. Thank you so much, Will. Well, we'll put links in the show notes. And if you just search Will Store Status Game, you are going to get all the info, everything that you need there. So thanks again for listening, for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, if you found it useful, if you think that other people would benefit from hearing this conversation, then please do let us know and also share it. You know, share a link, send it to a friend, start a conversation. because That's how we're going to reach more listeners of the Power Hour podcast and be able to bring more awesome guests and more new episodes every single week. Have an awesome week and stay safe. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 